namo bhagavate vasudevaya A reading in Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 7, Chapter 14. Uh, we are just coming to the end of the chapter, I think, yeah. Penultimate verse. Penultimate means second from the end. In English, sometimes you'll find devotees think penultimate means a kind of ultimate, ultimate. <laughs> but uh, ultimate means the end. Penultimate means second from the end. And ante penultimate means third from the end just for your information. <laughs> but you'll, I wouldn't have said it, but you'll hear it used, misused a lot. So the, ad, the penultimate verse, text 41. So say after me. Purusheshu Api Raja Indra Supatram Ramanam Viduhu Tapasa Vidyaya Tushya Date Vedam Are Tanum Purusheshvapi Rajendra Supatram Brahmanam Viduhu Tapasa Vidyaya Tushya Date Vedam Haristanum Purusheshvapi Rajendra Supatram Brahmanam Viduhu Tapasavidyaya Tushya Date Vedam Haristanum Rusheshvapira Jindram Supatram Brahmanam Viduhu Sadhidya Tushya Date Vedam Haristanum Oh, my God. 
Austerity, Vidyaya, Education, Tushya, and Satisfaction, Date, He assumes, Vedam, the transcendental knowledge known as Veda. Arehe of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Tanum body or representation. Translation My dear King, of all persons, a qualified Brahmana must be accepted. <coughs> excuse me. Must be accepted as the best within this material world because such a brahmana, by practicing austerity, Vedic studies, and satisfaction, becomes the counterpart body of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Srila <coughs> <coughs> Prabhupada's purport. From the Vedas, we learn that the personality of Godhead 
is the Supreme Person. Every living entity is an individual person and the Supreme Personality of Godhead Krishna is the Supreme Person. A Brahmana who is well versed in Vedic knowledge and fully conversant with transcendental matters becomes a representative of the Supreme Personality of Godhead and therefore one should worship such a <coughs> excuse me one should worship such a Brahmana or Vaishnava. A Vaishnava is superior to a Brahmana because whereas a Brahmana knows that he is Brahman, not matter, a Vaishnava knows that he is not only Brahman, but also an eternal servant of the Supreme Brahman. Therefore, worship of a Vaishnava <coughs> is superior to worship of the deity in the temple. Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur says, Shakshad Daritoina Samasta Shastahir In all the scriptures, the spiritual master who is the best of the Brahmanas, the best of the Vaishnavas, is, to, is considered to be as good as the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This does not mean, however, that the Vaishnava thinks himself God, for this is blasphemous. Although a Brahmana or a Vaishnava is worshipped as being as good as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, such a devotee always remains a faithful servant of the Lord and never tries to enjoy <coughs> the prestige that might accrue to him for, from being the Supreme Lord's representative. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutale Srimate Bhaktivedanta Swaminiti Namane Namaste Saraswate Deve Gaurabhani Pacharani Nirvishesha Shunyabhadi Paschacha De Satarani Umangyanam Timurandasya Garanjana Shalakaya Chaksurun Miritam Jainam Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Panchakal Patrubhyas Chakrapa Sindhubhyeva Chapatitanam Pavanebhyo Vaishnavebhyo Namo Namaha Purusheshu Api Rajendra Supatram Brahmanam Vidhu Tapasa vidyaya tushya datte vedam adhistanam. So again talking about the uh, qualified brahmana um, is supatram here described as the best uh, among all people the, the best is the brahmana. Prabhupada puts qualified brahmana there's lots of people uh, who, as a matter of social convention in India, 
uh, become brahmanas because they're simply born in that family, but are not trained uh, anymore. It's not prestigious in India. I heard about a, um, a sociological survey that looked at what happened uh, to the <clears throat> Brahmin boys who graduates from a college in South India. And the, uh, the, the ones with the highest grades uh, went into academics, became professors, went to graduate school. The next highest grades, they went into information technology. And the ones that barely passed, couldn't, you know, qualify for much, they became pujaris. <laughs> uh, I sometimes wonder when, when, uh, when, uh, uh, when in America we began to get an Indian congregation, uh, so many of, and of course the, the Indian immigrants who came to America at that time, they were very high top people uh, from graduating from college. They had medical degrees, and now they were coming to America, and America wouldn't let them in unless they were, like, uh, <clears throat> educated and, and so on. Uh, they always looked at the devotees in the temple like some kind of freeloaders who were just living there just to eat and sleep. And... Uh, uh, we we had, we had one of our uh, congregational members who was a uh, who was an anesthesiologist, you know, a very highly qualified medical specialist, and he discovered one day that that I had a PhD, and he announced to the whole congregation that you know that was very embarrassing, but he was right in front of me. The, the, he said the temple president here. He has a PhD. He could have been successful in the material world, and he's here because he wants to be here, and not because he has no choice. And I, that's what I realized. You know what, what people were actually thinking that uh, that the, the devotees were uh, uh, anyway. Uh, so so uh, uh, things have changed in India uh, and, and all over the world. So there are no really there. There are no Brahmanas. Uh, I, I may have mentioned before, when, when Prabhupada was in New York, the reporters asked him, why have you come to America? And he said, I've come to give you a brain. Uh, and he said, uh, society needs a brain. A head, arms, belly, and legs, like, the, like the, this. And he said, you, your, your society is headless. It has no brain. And, uh, and that's what he wanted to, to do, to actually make people who are uh, qualified to guide and direct society. The brain means these are the people who give direction. Uh, the brahmana is supposed to be somebody who, who knows the absolute truth, can see the absolute truth, and bring it to bear on the uh, concrete affairs of, uh, of human society. Uh, 
the advisors, the ministers, uh, government ministers would tell the king, this is why you, they were all brahmanas, this is what you should do. So they were giving guidance to, to the act of the, the, the rulers. Uh, and it was the same system as Europe, you know, you, you, you find out that in, in, in the Middle Ages there were kings, and, and, but they also had uh, ministers who, who were all, for the most part, priests. Uh, because of that's an, it's, a, it's a, actually a natural order of society. This is called hierarchy, you know, the word, English word hierarchy, hieros arche, holy order. Uh, and there was a thought, the same idea that, that that there were, you know, there were there were there were the priests, there was the royalty, uh, there were the non-noble uh, farmers and businessmen of Aishas, and then there were peasants and serfs. That was the same structure. Of course, what happened is it collapsed, uh, uh, and it, it collapsed. Eve, because the Brahmanas actually became corrupted. My theory about what went wrong in Europe, why the system collapsed, is that the church, the Brahmanas in Europe were organized as the church. But the head of the church, the Pope, was also a king in Italy. A king in Italy. He, he, he was, the, you know, right now he's got just a little patch of land called the Vatican, but he is the head of state. Pope Francis is actually the head of the state of the Vatican, which is a, which is a, a state. Now, the, 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 that state used to be very large, and the Pope had armies. You know, what set off the Protestant Reformation when the Pope had priests going through Europe collecting money so he could fight uh, in the East against people who were trying to take some of his territories. You know, that's, that's one of the things that set, set it off. Uh, you know, got Martin Luther and wanted to... And Martin Luther had no idea of starting a separate church. He was an Augustinian monk. And he just wanted to purify the church. But the German kings took a chance because the church by then had a lot of property. Very, very wealthy. Had a lot, a lot of property. These kings would look at their kingdom and they see, oh, the church owns so much land. Because when people would die, they would leave property to the church and their will. That's, uh, we had a, once in America, we had a um, talk by, to us by professional fundraisers for nonprofit organizations. And the idea, there was a donor, donor pyramid. You have people that donate regularly, uh, you know, on an occasional basis, get them to be regular subscribers, and then you have an annual campaign. But at the top of the donor period, pyramid, is what people leave in their wills. The bequest, as they call it. <clears throat> and they have, like, like really 
very well organized nonprofit organizations have special people who know how to sit down with old men and women and talk about their legacy and what they'll be leaving behind and how much will they give to the church and they know all the tax laws like you can take the house you're living in now and donate it to the church but you get to use it and, and, and use an enjoyment of it while you're still alive on your death it goes to the the property goes to the church or whatever the nonprofit organization is uh, and meanwhile you don't pay taxes anymore they know all the laws you know how to do this that's the bequest <clears throat> so people would leave property in their wills to the, the church and the church began to own so much land and valuable property and the kings would look around and say look at how much, you know what, they, what they've got so they took advantage of Martin Luther and other people you know to to get their hands on that property especially in England you know I mean that's what hit Henry VIII I mean, they say the main reason he wanted to get married again and the Pope wouldn't let him, but, but the, the real thing was that he wanted all that land. And that's what he did. He seized all the monasteries, took all the monks and nuns and set them back out on the streets and gave all his political allies, you know, big tracts of land in, in England. The people in England really didn't want to give up the church at all, but they were forced to do so. Anyway, that's the, that's the history. The Brahmanas became corrupt, and then, you know, then what happened, uh, what happened in the West was that the, the, gradually the whole hierarchy collapsed because uh, the Protestant Reformation was a kind of rebellion of the Kshatriyas against the Brahmanas. Uh, and then, of course, you had these Kshatriyas who then had all the wealth and all the property, and people began to think, what are these people, you know, because some of them, of course, they were purely hereditary monarchs. What's your qualification? You know, all you do is spend your time right, riding around on horses and you know, the value is purely ornamental, and uh, why do you have all the power? And so you had a next uh, rebellion. And mean, meanwhile, Vaishnavas were becoming more and more well organized, and the Kshatriyas, in order to support their lifestyle, were borrowing money from Vaishas, where you know, trade was going on and everything like that. So the next was the rebellion of the Vaishyas against the Kshatriyas. This is epitomized, uh, well, the American Revolution, because all the, all the people who own land and slaves and property in America, uh, they were not noble. They, they were, you know, colonizers in America. They had a lot of money. And why should we be sending tax back to England? So they started it, really, America. And then French, the French Revolution followed in, in there, you know. And, and then you had philosophers are saying, you know, like Diderot. He wrote, mankind will never be free until the last king is strangled with the intestines of the last priest. 
This was the mood, right? So then, then, then the Vaishyas become, yeah, super controllers. They own everything. They take over whatever property is there. And of course, they misuse their power. Who's to, to, to stop them? And so therefore you have another set of um, social movement, the communist and socialist revolutions, you know, to the, the, the Shudras against the Vaishyas. And that's been our history. Uh, I wrote Prabhupada about this. I, this is my idea of what, what uh, happened. And he said, yeah, that's true. But at the time I wrote this letter to Prabhupada, you know, the communists were still in charge of Russia and, and so on in China. But then, you know, now that's gone. So I don't know what's going to be next, you know. Uh, <clears throat> who's actually, it looks like to me, like maybe the Vaishyas are really coming back really, really strong again and running everything and hiding their wealth and controlling everything. So Prabhupada wanted us, his movement, to become the Brahmanas. We had a political party and, you know, the, the one time, we, the In God We Trust Party for Purified Leaders, and Prabhupada talked to us about, about the, the, what, what our movement should be ultimately doing, is we should we become the Brahmanas and give guidance to society. Uh, 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 and so here, this is what, it, in, now the intellectuals today are confused. Most of them are nihilists. They don't know what the truth is. They look for it, they can't find it. Uh, you read uh, of, uh, contemporary philosophers and thinkers, they don't know what's going on. Uh, and those people who are into religion, they're mostly fanatics. Uh, or else they don't believe in anything, but still you know, like to console people by, by practicing an old religion, you know. <clears throat> Uh, yeah, the English poet Yeats said about the modern world, the worst are full of passionate intensity, and the best lack all conviction. Uh, that's a state, so you either get fanatics or you get nihilists. Uh, they don't know, there's no guidance. Brahman is supposed to be one who can see the not only see the the what is the truth, knows how to say, actually perceive uh, the source of everything and the directions that come from it, uh, but also bring it to bear on practical affairs, apply it. This jnana vijnana, knowledge of the absolute truth and practical application. This is what the qualifications of the, the Brahmana. So I think our movement, we are just waiting for the time that we can give guidance to society, but we have to become qualified ourselves, first of all. It's very important. Uh, so that's why here, this is, the, the Brahmana is the best within the material world. Uh, so Prabhupada wants to say, that uh, 
how among the Brahmanas the Vaishnava is the is the best because a, a Brahmana he says no he knows that he's not this body that his spirit so that he's he, he himself is spirit but then some some are focused on the uh, uh, what they know of the absolute truth is just the impersonal Brahman others also know Paramatma and then but the best are those who understand Bhagavad supreme personality of Godhead uh, uh, so that's why he says from the Vedas we learn the personality of Godhead is the supreme person there is a supreme person uh, he mentions every living entity is an individual person so uh, where does everything come from? Janmadasyataha, Brahman is that from which everything comes. So how are we persons if that from which you come is not a person? Where does it come from? Now, now what, what, what's happened in, in, in history in India is uh, a way this is the, the trick that Shankaracharya uh, pulled off. Uh, we don't, everything doesn't come, the Vedanta Sutra begins, Brahman is Janmadasyataha, that from which everything comes. Uh, so all this world comes from Brahman. What Shankaracharya does is tell you in a, in a roundabout way so you don't notice that everything doesn't come from Brahman. Brahman has no energies. It's very funny because you point out to people this is his actual teaching, they're shocked because there's been so much propaganda that actually he's following the Vedas. He, deni he denies what, what Vyasadeva, he's saying basically Vyasadeva was wrong. Everything is the energy of Brahman, and therefore, uh, whatever is in the effect, you can find the original in the cause. But Shankaracharya says that it's illusion. This whole world arises from this illusory superimposition upon Brahman. And if you remove the illusion, there's just one thing, Brahman. I don't exist, you don't exist, Krishna, God doesn't exist, we're all, it's just one, one, that beside, no second thing. Because huh? I think, you see, if there was Brahman and a world, then there would be two things. But we're talking, you know, the, the word absolute, the opposite is relative. So they want they can take this idea of the absolute. So if there's a second thing, there's God in the world, that would limit God because there would be two. And so third, there's no second thing. Ekam Eva Adhitiya Brahman. Brahman is that besides which there is no second thing. Uh, the actual solution is that Brahman includes the world. This is our, that there's nothing but Krishna. 
Yet nothing is Krishna save and except. This is a chincha beda beda tattva. This is the correct way that this is put together. So we should know that. And therefore we should take care of Krishna's energies. We should just not try to, you know, it's all illusion, let's forget it. Or let those other people play with illusion, you know, we'll just become transcendental. No, this is Krishna's energy. It's his properly, it should be used in Krishna's service. We don't try to enjoy the world, but we don't try to renounce it either. Both positions are false. If you try to enjoy this world, then it's maya. And then you say, oh, it's all maya, I renounce it. Uh, That's also false. It's Krishna's energy. Uh, So, for these various reasons, the Vaishnava position, I'm convinced, is true. Uh, and that, that the uh, uh, ultimate truth is the supreme person. We are persons, and therefore, that from which we come as personality is also there. You cannot give what you have not got. Uh, uh, it's not uh, uh, our individuality is not an illusion. Each one of us is a distinct, eternal, individual person, and the supreme Lord is the supreme person. And he's not only supremely absolute, because nothing is different from him, but he's also supremely relative. He has a mother. He has relatives. He has a father. In fact, he's got more people related to him in different ways than anyone else. So because to say that God is a person is to say that God is social. But there's only personality only comes out in relationship with other people. So this is um, Bhakti Siddhanta says that the that that Mayavad philosophy he calls it lacks an indolent presentation of the supreme. Lacks means lazy, sloppy, and indolent means sleepy. Is like not not very bright. Uh, a lax and indolent presentation of the personality of Godhead. Yeah, lax is more like careless, and indolent is lazy, careless and lazy presentation of the absolute truth. Uh, uh, so anyway, so that's why Prabhupada says that. Uh, the among the, the, the he says uh, a Vaishnava is superior to a Brahmana because whereas a Brahmana knows he is Brahman, not matter, that much they know. Uh, I, we can say too, Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman. This is the spirit soul. Is is. But Krishna says about himself in the Bhagavad Gita, Param Brahman, he's the Supreme Brahman. But the Vaishnava, he's Brahman, but a, 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 a eternal servant of the Supreme Brahman. 
So this says that therefore worship of a Vaishnava is superior to worship of the deity in the temple, Prabhupada says. Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says, Shakshadari Tvena Samasta Shastir. Here, his prayers to the spiritual master. Uh, in Sanskrit, Shakshad Hari Twa, describing the spiritual master as Shakshat directly, Hari Twa. Uh, it's Hari. I've heard devotees say, yeah, the spiritual master is Shakshad Hari, directly Krishna. But the word in Sanskrit with a, has here an instrumental ending on it is Shakshad Hari Twa. And if you see the TWA in the end is the equivalent of the Indian, uh, of the English N-E-S-S. He is directly has Hari-ness. The, he's like Hari. Uh, Hari Twa. Uh, uh, and Samasta Shastra. And this is stated in all the Shastras. He is, so he's directly has the the qualities or the characteristics of the Supreme Lord, like the Supreme Lord, but it doesn't say he's God. But so Sakshadharitwa means the representative of God, like that. As good as Prabhupada says here, as good as for all practical purposes. Uh, uh, He's, I mean, when you say represent in English, it means to present over again, represent. Uh, so this is, uh, and then Prabhupada says this does not how, mean, however, that the Vaishnava thinks he's God. And then he goes on to say uh, a Vaishnava may be worshipped as good as God, but that person thinks I am God's servant. Uh, and even Prabhupada, you can see, uh, one becomes very, very humble and may be honored by others as doing something great. Uh, I heard once a conversation between Prabhupada and some Indian gentleman who was praising Prabhupada? Jaya Sri Sri Gaurav for having done a miracle. And Prabhupada said, No, no, I'm not a magician. He said, I haven't done anything miraculous. He said, The only thing is to my credit is that I have always remained the servant, I have never tried to be the master. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and this is really, Prabhupada always thought himself, I am, well, it's just like the pranam mantra we have, which he gave to us. <coughs> he is Saraswata Deva. He is the servant of Bhakti Siddhartha Saraswati. He does this as his servant. And, and so he was always very, very conscious that I'm carrying on what I discovered when I was researching this book on, on Prabhupada's position, that 
that how much Srila Prabhupada studied Bhakti Siddhanta, saw what he was doing, and just continued on in the same way. He didn't try, he just simply tried to do whatever he did. You know, Bhakti Siddhanta had sent preachers to the West, was planning to go himself, uh, but everything fell apart. He got disgusted with his preacher, called him back, so was sending some other people. But then, you know, when the, it was 1933 that the preachers went to London, Bhakti Siddhanta passed away in 1936. Uh, in 1939, World War II broke out. So, you know, there was a break. Uh, for, for, for millions of people to die or whatever had to happen. And uh, Prabhupada ended up c coming to America. And he chastises himself in public. My spiritual master told when I was a young man, he told me to preach in the West. I couldn't do anything until I'm my old age. Now I'm trying to do something. This is how he's thinking. But he came at the right time. Now Krishna's in charge of, of timing. And to the right place, too, although that wasn't... I mean, Prabhupada was just going to come, <laughs> excuse me, come to the West, but the ship that was available was going to America, so that's why he went. Basically, it wasn't like a big calculation. The normal thing was to go to England, but uh, anyway, that's that, that, that's what that's what uh, uh, that's what that's what he did. So. We should take this uh, mission very, very seriously to actually... Uh, Prabhupada has given us so many formulas how to do things. He started... We can, we can understand from the fact that he started farm communities to show us how to have self-sufficient communities. Uh, you, uh, people may think we're going backwards, but actually we're going forwards because I think many people in the world are starting to realize, excuse me, that the production of food and the production of energy is going to have to be as local as possible. You know, and one of the best ways to do this is to plow with oxen. Use bulls to plow. Because they really are quite wonderful in the sense that people have discovered that even cow dung is so valuable as a fertilizer and uh, other things that even if all you get from a cow is cow dung, it's worth it. If you make full use of it. You can convert it into methane gas to use for things like that. It's fertilizer. It's medicinal. Our, our place in, in, in uh, uh, what's, it, what's it called, in, uh, outside of um, uh, Mumbai? Yeah, Eco Village. Eco Village. They have, they have various medicines made from cow dung that are pretty far out. For years I had like this hard scaly skin on the back of my hands 
And the doctors gave me some kind of very heavy-duty lotion to put on it twice a day to keep it, you know, from spreading any further. And, and then I got some, some, some powder from these people in Eco Village. You mix it with a little water, spread it on your skin, you know, to, to help your skin. And it went away. I don't even have to keep using it. It's actually cured it. Well, I'll tell you one thing. The modern pharmaceutical companies would l not like something that actually cures it. They want something you have to keep buying it, you know? That's the problem when, when there are no, no brahmanas and no kshatriyas and everything is vicious. They want to sell you so many things that are bad for you and you have to keep buying again and again anyway. So, there, there, there are, Prabhupada has given us all this direction that we need to follow up on and, and, and become the, 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 uh, the, the Brahmanas who, who have this, Prabhupada said that another characteristic of a Brahmana, they can learn anything and teach anything. He said that, he said so that in, in India, and, and a Brahmana, mode of uh, living of a Brahmana is donations. They simply don't take a salary. As soon as you, actually, according to Vedic understanding, as soon as you get a salary, uh, wages, you're a shudra. The, 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 the Brahmanas were independent because they lived simply on donations. Kshatriyas, well, they're the head of the state, so they could collect tax. Uh, and, of course, they could conquer other Kshatriyas and take their kingdoms and stuff like that, whatever you made from warfare or whatever. So, you know, Kshatriya, that was his mode of taxation, fines, and, uh, and so on. And people were happy to support Kshatriyas because they protected them. Not everybody wants to carry a gun. They do in America. Uh, everybody wants to be a cowboy. But that's really, most people would rather be protected. Uh, somebody else carries the guns. I mean, a Kshatriya is a far-out person. They're willing to risk their lives to protect other people. Not everybody is like that. No, they're very chivalrous. Very. So you need kshatriyas to, to manage and to, to protect. Uh, Vaishyas also are independent. They own businesses. They uh, have fields that, that are productive. And those period, the, 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 the shudra is the general assistant. Prabhupada, general assistant. It lacks maybe the capacity for independent action, but then there are shudras that serve brahmanas, shudras that serve kshatriyas. That's what a civil servant is: is a shudra. <laughs> He's paid to work for the you know clerks. This is the kayasta uh, class in India. You know. The, uh, anyway, that's. That's that was that's the 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 organization. So is that come to give you? So the, the the brahmana can learn anything and teach anything. How does he live on donations? So Prabhupada described a brahmana would come to a village, uh, 
and people would say, oh, here's a place you can sit, and you teach their children. You teach them how to read, write, whatever they need, you teach them, and you don't demand a fee. Uh, he said, in this way, India meant free education for everyone. But people would say, oh, this nice Brahmin is teaching our children, let's give him something. Can you take something for somebody you want to give back? That's, you know, here's some rice, here's some cloth. So he never wanted for anything. You know, I mean, today if you say free, people just take it and never think that they should give anything back because things have deteriorated. But that... That was, the, that was the, the ideal. So anyway, Prabhupada has told us this blueprint for the, how, how society should be run. And, and, uh, and uh, we, we should study very carefully all the things that Prabhupada has, has told us how to do. He did have his farm communities. He even had a political party for a while. We did that. Uh, we studied all these uh, political science. I even wrote an article, Political Science for the Age of Kali, you know. Uh, uh, so the idea is that, to my mind, you know, is that, that, that uh, more and more you will find out that, that we, are, we have skills and knowledge that, that people will, will very much need. Okay, any questions or comments? Mm-hmm. It was just <coughs> some years ago I heard that uh, when the GPC or sannyasis travel that then they should talk 10% of the lecture about farms and, and Yeah, Prabhupada said that at one time. Yeah, it's very important. Uh, you notice that the problem people became discouraged, at least in, in, in America, because it's very hard to keep people down on farms. Uh, uh, everybody wants cars and fast internet connections and all those things. Although I don't think the, the farmers in the future will never n- not have technology, but it would be very appropriate technology, what you could use uh, to get the greatest production out of the soil. Uh, so you'll have to see, but if you're if you're... To me, if, if your food production and energy production is local uh, and you keep it that way, you'll find out that the, whatever technology you can, you can use, uh, uh, you'll see what you need and what you don't need. Even if you have motor vehicles, you, you know that, that, that uh, perfectly within our technology to build, uh, say, an automobile that would last forever, you wouldn't have to read that every two years you need a new one. You could do that. They could have done it years and years ago. But what's the profit if people, you buy one car and you have it for the rest of your life? Nobody wants that. So they make them, they call it planned obsolescence. Even they change the style. So, oh, you have last year's car. It's like fashion and clothes. You know, why does it have to change all the time? So you have to keep buying new things that you don't need. This fashion has not changed for a very long time, but <laughs> otherwise, you know, uh, people are always buying new things and new, new rec- anyway. It's just, uh, yeah, we, 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 
we've had we've had a hard time. Uh, so some places in India they've done very well with it. I think some places maybe in Russia also. But but mostly it's been it's been very difficult. Uh, 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 and. Uh, my own conclusion, having been involved with Gitanagari farm, it's still going on, but not many devotees want to do that, uh, and and, uh, and because because it seems like uh, first of all it's very hard work, and most people are not used to farm work; it's physically d- demanding, uh, and uh, so that's one thing. And it may seem like even though you, you, you have everything you need, you don't have that much cash. And people get nervous uh, like that. Uh, so I, my, my it, but at a certain point it will become, I said, if you're going to really have to have local food production and local energy production, it becomes more and more a necessity. And many things will change, you know, like one of the byproducts of an industrial economy is, is that children are simply a very expensive hobby. You take a child, you have to raise it, educate it, everything costs you a fortune. They go off somewhere, you get a, you know, birthday card once a year, but that's it. Whereas... If you're living in an agrarian economy, agricultural economy, uh, children become economically productive about the age of five. If it's the family doing it, yeah, you start to help out and do things, you know. Uh, uh, That was normal. Child labor was completely understandable. They're part of the family. The family... You need children. They're your labor force. That's why, if you look back in the, you know, the, in the 18th, 19th century, people had huge families. Because if you didn't have a big family, it's a disaster. Because the family was not just a unit of consumption, it was a unit of production. Of course, what happened when factories became to be built, then they started putting children in factories, and then the children, of course, it wasn't the family, and they were being mistreated and exploited, and they had to have laws against child labor. Everything changed, you know. But, but normally that was the thing. The family, the family was your, uh, 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 your labor force. It remained a unit of production. Uh, uh, when there were elderly members of the family, everybody took care of them. You didn't need a government to have social security and all that stuff. It was so that's you know that that whole thing is broken down because because of this industrial uh, economy. If you just start making food production and energy production as local possible, it'll bring the family back as the unit of production. And these things of having lots of children, uh, then the, then women will be valuable for having babies. You know that also won't be oh you have to stop working for a while or whatever. You know, it'll th- things will automatically change. That'll be a really valuable thing. You get a, get another child. Oh great! You know. Uh, 
Fantastic. You know? Anyway, this, this is, this is uh, some, some of these things that look so artificial right now in, in an industrial economy will become, be, we become uh, uh, sensible to make, make, make sense. I think at least Karl Marx was right in this, that you know, the mode of production determines the nature of the society. Uh, you should look to that, and, and Prabhupada knew that, and so that the mode of production should be, you know, wealth is land and cows. But I remember shocked when I first went going to, to Gita Nagari, one devotee there said to me, I think that cow protection is a very expensive hobby. Because we had to adopt a cow, we had to get donations to protect the cows. And but Prabhupada said, no, cow production should, should, should be, it's, it, it's good for the wealth. So I, that's when I began to think about why is it a very expensive hobby to protect cows? And, and to realize that you really have to have a whole different uh, economy, kind of economy for, for what Prabhupada, then I realized what his vision was. Was, was, was to be, uh, have basically an agrarian economy. And, and uh, we see right now we're dealing with the, with the carelessness and the consequences of an industrial economy. Right now it looks like global warming is you know, going to raise the sea level. and The earth has been abused. The earth is also a cow and needs to be protected and cared for properly. But the farming methods that we get from industry destroy the earth. You know, you should be able to pick up soil and see full of earthworms. And, you know, it's alive. It's a, it's a habitat where so many things are there. And you put chemical fertilizer on it and all this stuff and it's dead. And you just have to keep buying more chemicals. And this is, you know, it's, it's a disaster. So we have to recover from this disaster of progress, the progress, right? That's what we have called it. We've called it progress. So anyway, we have the formulas. Yeah? People who say that we, we got into this industrial revolution and away from the agrarian society because of um, starvation, that it didn't work to mm-hmm. the land. Starving. Where were they, they starving? They, they, they didn't. Everywhere. <laughs> but, I mean, You're talking about the current, in previous times, that's why the Industrial Revolution happened? Because people were starving? Uh, no, may, not that it happened because of that, but, but uh, that people will say that if you, this going backwards, and, and it was not nice because people were starving. Yeah, well, it wasn't nice because, because our experience is in the modern West. Uh, and it wasn't nice from the very beginning because you really didn't have proper Brahmanas very much. And you didn't have proper Kshatriyas very much. You know, I just said there's a reason why we had this collapse in the West of what was looked like a system of Varna with the, with the Brahmanas at the top, the Kshatriyas, the, the hereditary nobility. And, and Prabhupada said, that one thing that we, we have, 
is that these positions, Brahman, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra, are not, should be based on just heredity. Krishna says, when Prabhupada talks about Daiva Varnashram Dharma, what this means, because many devotees think Daiva Varnashram Dharma means Varnashram Dharma for Vaishnavas. No, what it means is Varnashram Dharma that is spoken by Krishna. Daiva, he's the Lord's Varnashram Dharma. And that means it's not hereditary. Because the social convention, this happened in India also. He said because, the, because it was purely hereditary. If you're born in a Brahmana family, you're a Brahmana. No, it should be, Brahmana means what Krishna says, guna and karma. By your uh, characteristics, your qualities, and the work you do. That should be the criteria. When it becomes purely hereditary, then you get a lot of Brahmanas who are actually not qualified. They don't guide society correctly. And because of that, the, the Shudras become mistreated. The Prabhupada gave a lecture like this on, in India. He said, why did the partition of India happen? You know, Pakistan, a Muslim country, India, Hindu country. Why did this happen? He said, it happened because the, the Shudras were mistreated. They were oppressed and mistreated. They weren't cared for properly. And that the reason for that was because the Brahmanas were, had, were unqualified people. They didn't guide society properly. The Shudras were, were uh, not taken care of. In this lecture, I, it's on the Veda base somewhere. I, uh, Prabhupada gave this lecture in India. And because they weren't taken care of, when, when the Muslims came, they said, they said, look how you're treated, you know. And so all the, the Shudras became Muslims. And there, then you had two religions. You had, you know, Hinduism and you had Islam. And then finally you had the, uh, India was split up. Not just India, Pakistan. Afghanistan used to be part of India too, a large part of it. That's what, Gun, you know, Gandhari came from, you know. Kandar, his modern name Kandar, Gandhar. Uh, anyway, this is this is what happened. So it, it, it's the it's the abuse of power, and and uh, and uh, this this uh, Kali Yuga Brahmanas who didn't you know people were not qualified. And, uh, so and. Uh, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's what happened. It was even worse in the West. So you had this series of revolutions because the, the real problem in human life is the abuse of power. The Brahmana has more power than anybody else because they're smart. The kings need them. They can learn anything and teach anything, Prabhupada said. And could give guidance to society. So it's Kali Yuga also. But we're supposed to have within this Kali Yuga 10,000 years of a golden age of Krishna consciousness. Lord Titania has come. 
So we're just in the beginning of that. Or some people say the first 500 years after Lord Chaitanya was a sandhya, you know, and now it's the golden age only really starts after 500 years. So I've heard that also. Uh, so t- for this reason, you know, that, that was anyway Prabhupada's idea. So we wouldn't want to go back to the, the Middle Ages and the high infant mortality rate and, uh, uh, yeah, you know, huge childhood diseases and all those other kind of things. But in Europe, people really didn't, you know, I mean, there's cholera everywhere because, because people are just not clean. Uh, anyway, if you just follow certain basic rules of, of public health, you, you'll avoid most, uh, most diseases. Uh, anything else? Yeah? Just a brief comment about the issue of power is that most starvation things like that happen, at least in the modern world, because of uh, inappropriate distribution, not so much a lack yeah. of food. Yeah, there's always a, there's been enough food, but some people are taking more and others, yeah, sure, that's true. Yeah, this abuse of power. Mm-hmm. People should not think that because I have some power, therefore I am God. <laughs> That's why you need brahmanas at the top to say we're all servants. And if you have any resources, you're obliged to use them correctly in Krishna's service. Anything else? Mm-hmm. I was personally never so concerned about, uh, about Varna because uh, long ago, Hari um, mm-hmm. He said that uh, sometimes I do one service. And yeah, what? Sometimes I cook, mm-hmm. and then I am uh, Ramana. <laughs> then I, then I collect some money. Then I am a Vaishya. Then so he said that you do the needful according to what services you are doing. But um, Hari Kesh personally told me he could never figure out what Varna he was. He was always trying to figure it out for himself, he said. He liked to be a rock and roll player, too. What's that? Entertainers are all shooters. You know that, don't you? Actors, musicians. Yeah. Anyway. So should we see, like... um this Vaishnava, uh, is that what one, what service one does? No, a, a Vaishnava is actually beyond the Varnas. A Vaishnava can actually do anything. But if, if we do it as Vaishnavas, we should also be teaching. You know, Prabhupada always said that if you have any service in the movement, you should also be teaching somebody else how to, how to do that service. You know? But cooks have always been brahmanas, you know, because of, 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 yeah, being very clean and very pure. It's not like a a shudra cook, very different. (coughs) Especially if everything is going to be offered to Krishna. Yeah, 
and that, and that's the that's the reason. The reason for that. You may think that cooking is not uh, uh, not very elevated occupation. Of course, unless you're a gourmet cook. <laughs> <laughs> we should all be gourmet cooks, right? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. I have done some service in the temple and still do service in the temple. Can I teach others uh, from my experience? Mm-hmm. Can I do that? Can you what? Can I teach others from my experience from service in the temple? Yeah, you can. Yeah. <coughs> Sure. Sure, you learn how to do things. You become you become good at something. You should always pass it on to other people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. If someone will tell you that, for example, Krishna, <coughs> because he's the person, so he cannot be he cannot be the spring because. Big person that means that someone is limited. That means somebody is limited. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does mean he's limited. He limits himself in order to inner relations with other persons. <laughs> But how many forms do in order to have relationships? How many different forms does Krishna have? Well, there, there's his form as Krishna. Uh, in Vrindavan, that's to enjoy uh, certain kinds of relationships, very intimate relationships. As as Krishna, he causes the, the devotees to forget he's God. He self-limits himself in order to enter intimate relationships. His mother has to think that I have to protect Krishna from all these demons that are coming. That's how she thinks. So this way Krishna gets to enjoy relationships like that. You think if he couldn't, he would be limited too. So he enjoys many relationships and he has many, many forms. He does it simultaneously. You see in the rasa dance, he expands himself into so many Krishnas and each gopi thinks she's got him for herself. That's pretty far out trick to do. And then he has all his Vishnu forms and his forms of where his majesty is there, where he's worshipped in awe and reverence. That's, you know, that's another thing that he does. And then, you know, think limited as a human being, well, here he is, he's Nishringadev, he's Varaha, he's Kurma. Yeah, yeah, he's got all kinds of things he's doing. That's a pretty far out person. And here we are stuck with, you know, one kind of body and one kind of look and he can do all sorts of things. Uh, so he's, uh, he's, a, he's an unlimited person. And why does he do that? To enter into different kinds of relationships, enjoy himself in different ways. So that means that he's not uh, happy? He's not what? Happy. He's, not only is he happy, but his happiness is always increasing. Do you think there's an upper limit to bliss? Yes. 
that there's just a maximum and you can't get, no. Krishna shows, Prabhupada said this in Vrindavan, it's actually in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, Radha and Krishna together. And Krishna looks at Radharani because she's his own internal energy potent, potency, you know, out there. His, his potency of bliss is personified as Radharani. Comes as a, so she's, Krishna looks at Radharani. He sees that, that she's very beautiful. And when he sees how beautiful she is, Krishna becomes happier. He becomes more joyful. And when Krishna's joy increases, his beauty increases. Because, you know, in this world, somebody who's happy looks better when they're happier than when they're sad. But there's a limit, you know, to how far your beauty can increase. You look better, but then, you know, because you're one thing, your mind is another thing, and your body is another thing. But Krishna, there's no difference between himself and his mind, and his mind and his body, and his body and himself. He is his body. He is a spiritual body. So when his joy increases, his beauty increases. Radharani sees that Krishna has become even more beautiful so her happiness increases, and therefore her beauty increases, and then Krishna sees that she's become even more, and it goes like this, no end. And all the devotees who are associating with Radha and Krishna, they join in to that festival. And there's no upper limit. To understand this, we have to participate. <laughs> Instead of just trying to figure it out from sitting here in our material bodies, you know. <laughs> uh -huh. Does Radharani also have a spiritual body? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, she does. Everybody has a spiritual body. We get one too. This one goes, and, the, the, and the, the, the jiva, which is right now like a little thing, you know, you find out who we are. In relationship to Krishna, our own identity becomes revealed to us, our eternal spiritual identity, and we associate with Krishna in a spiritual body. Even this idea of a spiritual body is there in Christianity, because Christianity to some extent is personal. So St. Paul says we have a spiritual body in, in, in the heaven. He, said, he uses the word, it's Greek, pneumatikon soma. Pneuma is spirit. Pneumatikon soma, a body made of spirit. And he says, St. Paul, it says, it's a, he compares that body is like this body in the same way that an oak tree is to an acorn. That's the comparison. So we don't know ourselves either until we get full relationship with Krishna. And then Krishna becomes revealed and we also become revealed to ourselves. Oh, this is who I really am. Yes, but Krishna has only a spiritual body. And does Radharani only have a spiritual body? Yeah. Yeah, because she's his own internal spiritual energy, and when he descends, she comes with him, and the other gopis come. 
They all, Krishna, when Krishna travels, he's never alone. He's always in the association of various devotees. So these devotees are eternally in the spiritual world and they descend with him. And it looks like they have material bodies while they're here, but not really. What else? Yeah? It seems like <clears throat> understanding Bhana Ashram and how it works and, and, and the of the land, it's kind of um, easy to envision or relatively. But to go from here and, and to this situation seems like very difficult. Yeah, <laughs> that's I true. I anybody who actually has such a vision of how it can be done. But if I think in your lecture, it's like, if we really can't qualify Brahmas, that will yeah. give us the brain how to actually uh, go from here to there. I, 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 I think that, that uh, most of us in ISKCON need, need to study Prabhupada's books much more carefully, take them seriously, uh, and, and first of all, we have to take care of our own Krishna consciousness that we're becoming more and more purified and more able to understand Srila Prabhupada. Uh, we have to be pure in eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. We talk, you know, all those things are there. So uh, we, we can then uh, uh, see what the next step will be. Uh, and uh, uh, but you'll find that Prabhupada really gave us the uh, and sometimes you know the timing is not right Krishna is in charge of timing and some, some things we want to do uh, it will not, not be uh, facilitated very much but we do whatever we can and then I, my, my feeling is if we've made as much progress as we can under current conditions then Krishna will change the conditions. But if we haven't used what we have now to make spiritual progress, then he said, why should I change the world? But Prabhupada even said to us once that I can tell you how we could take over the world in 16 days. But the difficulty is that you wouldn't follow my orders. <laughs> That's what he said. So we have to be, be ready to take just what we can work on right now, uh, our own uh, Krishna consciousness, and uh, w with the people around us, we improve as much as we can. Every day we should be coming, you know, the modes of ignorance, the modes of passion should be decreasing. The mode of, we know how to measure these things. We can tell right away. We know all the symptoms of these things. Our feelings for Krishna should be getting more and more intense. Uh, and when we've made all the progress we can make under these circumstances, Krishna will change them. So if things aren't changing enough, we start with ourselves. That's my understanding. And now it's late. We should stop now. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai. Shri Bhagavatam Ki Jai.